I have a I have a surprise banter episode for you that I thought of while I was trying to stuff my face uh, with food before we started recording. Okay, well, I, I had a, I was trying to do a segue into my banter idea. <laughs> so let's just say them at the same time. And All right. <laughs> see if we were thinking. Okay, three, two, one. What was got? Oh, I so lied. To... <laughs> oh. John D. Mantis, a podcast of uh, creative questions for curious gamers. That's it, right? Yeah. I'm here with my co-host, Jesse Sauer. Hello, everybody. Yeah. No, I need help with my character, and I figured this is the perfect opportunity to do it because it's for your game. Okay. Well, then context. My game I am currently running is Soulbound, the Age of Sigma role-playing game. Can we can we put like a thunder sound in there? For... If I can find one, yeah. Okay, okay, for editing. Um, yeah, so it's Soulbound, the Age of Sigmar role playing game from Cubicle Seven, uh, mm-hmm. as is often my way when running games because I have very limited time as a full time employee in a capitalist hellscape, and also uh, a parent of two. I'm using a pre written adventure. Uh, it is called the. Cities in the Mist, and it's pretty cool. I'm enjoying it. Cubicle 7 does the game. It's a great game. It uses a, its own mechanic system, not related to D&D, no D20s involved, uh, not related to Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. Yeah, and the party is. Um, we have Elistra, who is a tree person, branch witch. Uh, we have Aubryn Grudstrike, who is a Karadron, some sort of floating sky dwarf with a chain gun. Uh, we have Barb, who is a hag death priestess of the Daughters of Cain. Uh, we have Delane, uh, who is a knight Zephyros of the Stormcast. And then we have... Oh, my guy? Yeah, the guy that you... Ubarin Stridor Imperium. Yes. And what's his deal? Not much. That's kind of why we're having this conversation, because um, I think there comes a point every so often, I don't think anybody is immune to this, I'm definitely not, where you started out with a character, the concept isn't really working for you uh, completely, then maybe something else gets to laugh or seems interesting, and you just double down on it, and then you double down on it, and then you double down on it, and then you double down on it. Yeah, session in and session out, and then it turns out to be the, really the only thing about your character is basically, you basically become a Saturday Night Live sketch, which is what has happened to Stridor, uh, Ubarin Stridor of the Imperion, oh. my my character for your game. I feel like he's just become an SNL sketch, which is he's died too many times, he's lost too many memories, and he's having a really difficult time adjusting to people and things in the world and i feel like it's really run its course it was played for laughs and now that's all it is and there are times where i feel it's almost disrespectful to you as the person running the game and i felt that way last night well a couple thoughts mm -hmm. uh first off better an snl sketch than a movie based on an snl sketch well, that's where we would head if we're done to have this conversation. So you're aware enough as Ubarin to realize this thing is missing. So I guess I'd say the thing to take it out of the joke realm is what's his source of relief from that feeling? Yeah, what is, like, what is his source of relief? Well, what's interesting to you? I mean, what fits the character class? I mean, I like I can suggest something, but it's just going to be me going for quick solutions. Longtime listeners may know I just 
come up with off the cuff like we'll do this and it's usually the easiest thing sometimes it sounds clever but it's usually the easiest thing um yeah i i don't know what his relief is i think that's kind of the problem what are some typical examples of relief for characters he doesn't have to think about it when he's in battle and he's a warrior and that's what mm -hmm. he's known in every life he's lived mm -hmm. so um in the purity of battle, like all those questions of who am I, like what are all these holes, they don't matter because here's the thing I know, here's the thing I'm good at. And then play to that down the line of maybe like a creeping sense of guilt or worry about that is the thing that, you know, makes you feel complete. You know, as we are getting into a thing where we can do an endeavor and you reconnect with your soulbound, maybe like because there's an endeavor that soulbound have to take that I think is a reconnect with their storm stormos or something like that. Maybe during that we could run a scene where you ask for guidance. I'm just trying to figure out what's missing, or if we just need to scrap the entire concept, which would be very easy, very easy to do. The guy is missing memories. All of a sudden, he gets just start remembering. <laughs> I mean, maybe ever after, like, maybe you remember things in a fight. I mean, the Stormcast are these divine soldiers which have been hand-selected by Sigmar to serve over and over again in the Holy War. Heroes from across the ages. Mm -hmm. Rescued just before or at the moment of d death and then reforged into quasi-eternal soldiers. So I guess I'm trying to come up with what it, what makes him interesting then. Because I originally picked this character because I wanted to do what I perceived to be the most simple and straightforward entry point into this game. Based on my own personal experience and preferences. So I thought this would be an easy entrance to the game. You know, super-powered fighter does super-powered fighter things. So, I don't know. Maybe he gets a hobby? <laughs> yeah, maybe he does. With other characters, I start with a like I I start with like a hook off of the overall concept, right? Like the character for the other game was, you know, how do I make a a, a religious somebody who follows a religion where they know the the source of the religion is bad, but they're trying to do the best they can in it and do right by people despite it. Like they're trapped in the same machine everybody else is, and they're trying to they're trying to add, you know, a different flavor of good in the brief moment of existence they have. When it comes to this character for your game, I'm not sure what role the Stormcast have in the regular world. Maybe I need to do some reading. I don't know. I mean what is the typical Stormcast like? A relentless champion of order uh in the name of Sigmar. I mean, every Storm host, for those of you unfamiliar with uh, the Age of Sigmar role-playing game or the war game from which it is derived, um, there are different Storm hosts of, of Soulbound uh, who each have a unique character, usually tinged by the makeup of where those souls were drawn from. Storm host Imperior is uh, notably grim, uh, very similar. It's one that uh, Maddie created, but it's very similar in aspect to the Anvils of Heldenhammer, uh, who are all basically, I think those guys are all guys who are heroes in Shaish, the realm of death. They're all like, like, or they were heroes who's like, who had died a long time ago and Sigmar stole them from Nagash. Has zero consequences later on in the campaign or or story of the world of Age of Sigmar, that the god of death who thinks he's the rightful owner of the soul of everything in existence after it dies discovers his former ally has stolen souls from him. It's going to be a laugh riot. Nothing's funnier than Nagash. That dude, great sense of humor. And so is that is that the answer then? I'm simply missing... I'm simply missing context and I should go back and read. Like, if this was a regular episode and... What kind of advice would we give GMs and players? Like your player is, the character is not working, you're a GM. And what can you do to support the player to help them like come up with a better character or to help them get to the character they're looking for? You know what I mean? Uh, no, I think, uh, no, I think if I was doing a regular episode and I was giving advice to a player who's in the same situation is 
look at what you found interesting about the character in the first place Mm -hmm. and then ask what is interesting about that to me now what's the what if uh like if it was maybe like what if i do remember so you've hinted at one memory something about a child looking up at you do that oh okay i don't remember that was in the first game session right when you showed up so like what's like what's interesting about that and if there's nothing interesting about it to you just say hey i'd like to find an out for this character and roll up somebody else and as a gm since i've had an adult conversation with the player who's like yeah i'm kind of adrift with this i just say oh okay well i need to give you a hook and Mm -hmm. then i think about what's a hook that's interesting to you what kind of characters do i play what kind of interesting point and plot techniques am i looking for and how can I apply them to this character? Because I'm at a complete and utter loss. You know? Yeah, you could do a little research about who the Stormcast are. I mean, they're not... They're great heroes. Um, and then they have this creepy dehumanizing element that each time they, you know, come back... Uh, each time they come back and fight in Sigmar's wars, they're slain. And when they die, they're drawn back up to the realm of heaven on a lightning bolt where they are reforged which is sort of a spiritual level torture um that strips away some of their memories and some of their humanity and the more that happens the more they kind of just become like automatons and one of the things too i want to say for those of you unfamiliar with uh again with the soulbound universe there are four great sort of uh grand alliances or factions that play out in the game those are order chaos destruction and death uh all the death guys serve nagash the god king supreme like the sort of anti-sigmar um who is going to create a world of perfect order when everything is dead and his slave basically like that's his long-term plan and he's a god of death so he can wait um Chaos are the servants of the ruinous powers, the primordial annihilators, the churning maw of entropy that wishes to consume everything that stands stable still. Um, Destruction are just, they're the weirdest one. They're just in for a good fight. Like, they just, all they want to do is just, you know, rampage, pillage, and tear stuff down just because it's fun um, for orcs, goblins, giants, that sort of thing. And then order, and the thing I've heard about it uh, is that don't think of order as like the good guys. They're not. They're just the ones that build cities. <laughs> like, like the. Are 14... there any good guys in this uh, in this setting? There's good like individuals, there but well, yeah, but there isn't like a holy order of definitely good guys. I mean, I don't think that's ever been Warhammer's thing, since mm-hmm. it you know I mean it starts so much in parody. Yeah, the anvils. I mean, one of the things that I think I mentioned in game, like the the storm host that rules the city of Anvilgard, um, where you are, where the main adventure is is centered, is sort of like saying like if nobody can figure out this black this uh, secret organization of elven assassins and pirates that's trying to run a shadow government on the city, we're just gonna march out of our storm keep and kill everybody, <laughs> like. Because they can't be trusted with the nice thing Sigmar gave them. And no one's going to stop them. This is like a whole storm host that went through this whole death thing you're going through. They've all been through that. And now they just don't care. It's just like mm-hmm. having the risk of chaos worshippers or corruption. Letting this fall. This Because they're basically holding the city. Because there's a teleport circle there that lets them access other places. For Sigmar's crusade to destroy chaos. Like the city's just incidental to them. So it sounds like, okay, so I think with my play style when it comes to characters, um, again, going for something against the grain um, on what's typically done. So like if Stormcast become detached, you know, don't and stop caring, then maybe the answer is for him to start. Okay. So if I'm thinking about this, scenes that we could play out in the next session. Mm-hmm. Which is the more interesting to you? You pass a marketplace and there's an object on one of the market tables that you know, you just know is yours, Mm -hmm. like some antique, and it triggers a memory. And then I would ask you, what is that memory? Or 
you see the anvils of Heldenhammer administering justice in the street. Well, I'm trying to remember what we originally designed for the character when it's when we started. And I, if I remember correctly, his storm they're called storm host, right? Yes. <laughs> so his storm host has been disbanded. Like it's missing the, in action, I miss, think. It's been it's missing or they're dead or something like that, right? Yeah. And Your side quest is trying to find them and restore the storm host. Right. And he's exceptionally lost and doesn't know where to start with that. Him observing a different storm host, the one that controls the city, doing something that he would be against or for, I guess is the, the conundrum, right? Yeah, that's your decision. It's going to be, this is what you see. What do you do? Mm -hmm. And maybe a, how do you feel? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. You know, I recently watched the latest season of Rick and Morty. Uh, have you seen it? Yes, but I'm going to need triggers, you know, like... Of course. So the episode I'm thinking of is the one where they have that machine that gives them orders when they sleep. So they oh. can get things done while they sleep, and it creates like night people versions of them that yeah. like control their bodies at night. Yes. And what I thought was what my favorite part of the episode was that um, it's Summer who's the one. It's Night Summer who's the one that's behind the stuff that's happening in the episode. She's the mastermind behind it. It's not Sleeping Rick. It's Sleeping Summer. And there's this part where. She says, you know, this is a part of Summer's personality that has been in the background that she's not aware of that's been like building over time. Because, of course, we're we're going to assume that it's sleeping Rick who, I, and then he has to like outdo himself again. But that's really played out in that show at this point is him facing off again, another Rick. Right. So I thought that was a very, you know, nice swerve on the concept. And so for my character, if I could steal something to help me get out of this, which is what we encourage on this show, right? Like, I'm not a huge fan of the term, like a good writer borrows a great writer steals. Like, I'm not a huge fan of that term anywhere else outside of role-playing games. In a role-playing game environment, I think that's the best thing a GM can do, right? A good GM borrows a great GM steals. Like, this is your, this is an area for you to steal whatever you can get inspiration from whatever you can use that thing you saw in that movie and then tell everybody, Hey, I just saw fucking the Lord of the Rings again. I really want to do this, you know, and just, just put it all out on front street. So I think I would use that particular aspect to steal from in the setting of this game environment that like he's developing a new personality based on the shreds of his old personality that are left. Right. Like it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. So, like, his mind is breaking because he's died too many times and lost too many memories. And right now, it is trying to defrag his his brain, his memories, in order to, and put them back into pieces in order to create a personality that can help him survive. I don't know if that means he turns, you know, there could be something else there that helps him then find the rest of his storm host. You know what I mean? Like, if they were intimately involved with each other, that's what I would have to figure out next, right? And so that you could, I could also make it that um, the memories that are sewing themselves together are ones he has of the storm host and the individuals. And he is effectively creating a new personality from a like Faces of Eve kind of situation, like many different multiple personalities based on the memories that he has of these people who are very close to him. I don't know if it's typical for this to form connections within this deep connection within the storm host. Yeah. I mean, everything I've read in any of the fiction and any of the Warhammer stuff has got this very much like warrior brotherhood is at the core of it. Like, you mm -hmm. know, that's like the entire pathos of the Horus heresy, uh, like novels from the Warhammer 40 K universe is like, and they they tread this cloth a lot, and I never get tired of it, is when these two, you know, guys from different legions who are on different side of the fight, like, wind up facing each other again and have this little flashback of when they were all brothers and, like, 
and you know they're about to seriously go kill each other and they're not going to feel bad about it they're just mm. but they're going to remember as and before they do so then i think i would take that as kind of the lead that you know he's experiencing a new personality that's forming based on these sewn together memories maybe to the extent that he doesn't even really know who he is anymore like his name like Ubarin could be like a fused together version of like four different people or three different storm host members names like so it's a slow realization he's come coming to throughout the course of the game and then maybe that would give me a little a few angles to try to incorporate uh that into the actual story of the game and how the character's playing instead of him just being this he's basically become that futuristic robot from the venture brothers <laughs> you know i feel like every scene he's basically being like ignore me <laughs> i am the grand galactic inquisitor mm -hmm. yes that guy i love every idea of that this this is this is why we made this podcast because we just talk about shit like this. We're like, we should record it for posterity. Yeah, I think one of my on the DM and going back to the thing you said earlier, like I don't think it was disrespectful. Just my challenge as the DM is like, I'm in the headspace of this NPC, mm -hmm. and this NPC is just a dude who works in a factory, mm -hmm. and he knows what stormcasts are, and he knows they're. His experiences with the Stormcasts are the anvils of Heldenhammer, who do not care about the sanctity of an individual human life at all. They are like the deathly storm host, all in black. And you look just like one of them. And you are basically the closest to an instrument of death he's ever been. And you're shouting in his face, and he's terrified and at work. And you're shouting mm -hmm. in his face, I'm having trouble connecting with humans. <laughs> He's just like, I don't know how to respond to that, man. That seems mm -hmm. like a lot. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I don't know how to play the like what someone would do. I think the actual answer in retrospect is just try to run away. <laughs> like mm -hmm. is basically what most people would do. They'd just flee in terror. <laughs> yeah, that's it's just a challenge to me, but it's not disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. This is this is the good kind of it's what my character would do. Yeah, I just I I think I remember I don't know if we said this on the mics or off the mics, so we can edit this out if need be, and I'll let you be the arbitrator of that. The arbitrator? Is that a word? The arbiter of that? Whatever. So I'll let you decide the fate of that um what I'm about to say next, but one of us, I think it was you, said that you were kind of afraid to play a Star Wars game or run a Star Wars game, or maybe it was a different IP, because of players in a lot of circumstances don't separate enough of the real-world personality or the real-world characterizations into a game, right? Like, there's a genius behind Dungeons and Dragons. Like I've been critical of Dungeons and Dragons for not making fifth edition's default campaign setting Dragonlance, which I think I said in our our introductory episode or something like that. But it's like as critical as I am of it, I also understand that like the genius behind it is like they know what they're doing, right? They know that the way people play D&D &D isn't the way that I would want to, where everybody is like locked into a character. We don't break character. We're like, you know, have these rich histories and backstories and we're like acting with each other, right? Like that would be the ultimate experience for me. Um, I got a little taste of that when I first started playing because I played with theater kids. And yeah, we had jokes and humor, but they got into their characters like it really I would be a different kind of gamer. I may not even be a gamer today if it hadn't been for them and the way they played. And I don't like um, I am kind of leery of when we start to cross over into goof em ups and jokes in a game in D&D. &D, I think it works perfectly. And I think heading back to our other bonus episode conversation about the D&D &D movie uh why that works for that movie so well because they know what D, D is right 
But then it's like we have this Age of Sigmar game in this really cool setting, and um, and you are trying to portray the setting and the characters in it. And yet there are times where I feel like we're just kind of making goof em ups and jokes, uh, and you know because it's Sunday and we love hanging out with each other and games is fun, right? Yeah. So, you know, in the context, I've now become a little bit leery about running a Star Wars game for this same reason, right? Like, I've been watching a ton of Star Wars. I think we need to do a banter episode about Star Wars at some point, but I've been watching a ton of Star Wars. What's what's Star Wars? Oh, it's this weird thing that, like, this guy named George Lycus came out with in, like, the late 70s, I think. Okay, we can, we can talk about it later. Well, there's, like, there's, like, um... Uh, there's like a cocksure pirate and he has like a dog that walks upright. I don't know, whatever. It's difficult to describe. I, it doesn't really translate to a massive global audience. So it's very niche. Right. Uh, right. And for those reasons, I'm kind of scared to, you know, have the real world goof ups come into star Wars. Cause I think that would potentially ruin it for me. <laughs> This group, as I think we mentioned a while ago, like when we did uh, Alice is Missing, I was incredibly surprised this group can do pathos-driven games and do them real well. That was an emotional roller coaster with a bunch of people I've known for multiple decades and a bunch of white men with beards in their 40s, and I was astounded. Mm -hmm. Astounded. Um I mean, maybe that's just the session zero. Like, hey, guys, I'd like to keep the goof ups to a minimum. Like, I'd like to do a quasi-serious game, you know? like Yeah, that's what I've been struggling with is because I've seen, I like, I love our group. I love the people we play with. And I think we're kind of at our best when we're, you know, have the humor that's going with, that that's included. And the thing is, is that, a big part of Star Wars. I know. I, I I know you won't get this, Jesse, because you've never seen it. But like, there's a big part of Star Wars that is irreverent, goofy, jokey shit. Like that's my favorite thing about the prequels. Is the prequels? It start. It kind of started in the special edition of Return of the Jedi and Jabba's Palace, where all of a sudden they had a musical number, and they had these animated characters, and everybody at the time that I talked to, or I should say most people at the time that I talked to about it were like, yeah, I just don't see Jabba's den of thieves having these like cutesy musical cartoony numbers. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really have a problem with it. It, you know what I mean? Is it, is it my favorite thing? No, but like it, it didn't really take me out of, what I love about Star Wars. I mean, later on in that movie, you encounter little teddy bears with primitive weapons that take out, you know, a battalion of the emperor's best troops. So, you know, I think there's precedence for it, but when you get to the prequels, they really double down on the cartoonish aspects of Star Wars. And then they never give it up. They, <laughs> from that point forward, it's like, this is fucking Star Wars, cute little creatures making noises and somebody like a like a like a little alien arguing with a droid trying to get his pod racer to work and then it blows up and they all fly everywhere like you know like tom and jerry shit you know what i mean like it's it's in the dna of star wars and feloni doesn't give it up he doubles down on it everybody else who does star wars stuff throws a cute little thing in there every so often is feloni the guy that invented the wireless radio yeah that's exactly what i'm talking about yeah okay i think that uh Taking it back to the game perspective, I think the challenge with a, a Jokem Up group, and I think the challenge you're talking about, the Star Wars game you want to do, um, I will admit a conversation probably is the best way, a session zero conversation is the best way to go about it. But the problem with it is that if you're a good DM, mm-hmm. you're responsive to your players. That doesn't mean you're taking orders necessarily, but you're you're you're... You know, you're shepherding the fun, if you will, as you play this game with the other with the player characters. Um, and so you respond to them, and when everybody is the Joker, when everybody and I don't mean the Batman villain, I mean like a person who is making jokes, the jokes don't work without a straight man. Mm-hmm. And as the DM, if you're trying to do anything semi serious, you're just playing the straight man. 
mm-hmm. and playing the straight man. So the joke lands because that's a thing you're probably going to do for your players, but it's exhausting, especially mm-hmm. when you're funny like I am. <laughs> you are funny. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I didn't. I never thought about it that way. I think we need to do an episode. You know, this is why it's fucking cool to GM, and you should totally do it. And I think that needs to be in that episode. What you just said. Okay. We need to expand on that. But I'd never actually considered that before. That like in a bound by humor, you're the one who's making it work for them. Yeah, the joke. If the joke doesn't have a, because it's all interactive jokes or it well puns. You don't need a straight man for the puns. But a mm-hmm. lot of the humor is interactive, and you got to be the straight man so the joke lands. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of pressure. You're like, I want to be the wacky one every once in a while. So this is why you're not bothered by the goof 'em ups in the Age of Sigmar game. No, it's why I'm slightly bothered by the goof 'em ups in the Age oh, of Sigmar. Oh, that's why game. you're slightly bothered by them. Okay. Yeah. It, what can we I do? love this world too much. The lo- my love for this world and my love for the group are tugging on each other. This is the problem I don't want to go through. This yeah. is the conflict I don't want to go through for a Star Wars game. Yeah, I want this to be crazy high fantasy, weird ancient mysteries, like perilous, grim, um, incredibly high stakes. And here's the other thing I'm having. This is just a personal problem I'm having. As much as I love this adventure, as much as it's well-written, Soulbound has some really great built-in GM tools. I mean, really, really great. Like... One of the things I think uh, you can do to learn about a role-playing game, like what the designers intended as the play experience, I may have said this before on a different episode, but like read what you get experience points for because that's the play loop. The experience play loop in the Age of Sigmar role-playing game, and it's a thing that we've underutilized, and I'm going to accept partial responsibility for that, is you have a personal goal and a long-term goal. And the party has a short-term goal and a long-term goal. And how do you get experience in this game? You complete your goals, personal and party. So what do we, let's turn this into, let's turn this into a full therapy session for player and GM. Then, you know, let's use this as an example for our audience. Like I came to you as a player saying to you, like, I'm having trouble with this character. Can you help me get this figured out? And I I feel like you have, you've, We've planted some seeds for what I can do. Our conversation has turned this into something more. So let me let's then like like turn the tables and it's like so what can we as players let's focus it on me because the others aren't here to to be a part of this conversation. So let's use me as example like what can I do to help make this game the way you want it to be. This is hard to think about. Um okay. <laughs> Lean into the world lean into the setting. Okay. You can still, like, I mean, the moment Ubaran, Stridor, and Pyrian, like, cracks a joke is actually great. Like, the humor is in your play right now. Uh, shout out to uh, Barbs for doing that. Bought the army book, has been reading it, and is, like, dropping knowledge <laughs> in the chat. And I'm like, awesome, that's cool. Lean the I mean, here's here's the thing that I'll say too about those awesome GM tools I was talking about. The other system in there is, it reminds me of a more formalized version of uh, the Sly Flourish, like secrets, locations sort of thing. Because there's a there's a party sheet because the party has this mechanic called Soulbound, but there's this whole area for rumors, fears, and threats. And the way they say set up, you know, how you set up your game is you pick like, uh, six rumors or something, you know, you create like six rumors that the players might hear uh, when they're out and about. You pick a fear uh, and then you pick one threat and then the threat is the adventure. And then after the adventure, you clear the threat um, and if the players fail to do it, you advance the doom pool and uh, you move one of the fears to become the threat and you pick a rumor or two to become fears. And then those are things that players use to choose their short-term goals for personal stuff and things the party can use for a short-term goal. But when you're running a pre-written adventure module, (laughs) even though that does have fears and threats, it's sort of hard to shoehorn in the player's individual goals. So that leaves me feel like I'm in an area where I'm wanting. But, you know, like lean into the world would be my only ask. Um, Some more reading? 
Yeah, if you have time. I mean, mm-hmm. or, you know, conversations like this between a player and the person running the game, I think, are really productive and helpful. What kind of other things can we as the players do to help you, the GM? Review the party sheet at a session. Review the rumors and threats that you've uncovered. Review at the start of a session. Maybe I'll just do this next time. Hey, guys, look at your character sheet. What's your short-term goal? Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that there is a certain thing working against us in these games. I was thinking about this today in the... I was on a four and a half hour plane flight that was delayed for an hour before we got in the air. So I had a lot of time to think, but I was thinking about this today about how, you know, coming up, we played games exclusively in person. And now my gaming group is entirely virtual. It's done over zoom. And we have two games and those games alternate every week. And sometimes life happens. We have to miss a week. You know, no matter who's running the game or who's in the game or whatever the case may be, sometimes you just have to miss. And I think that there's enough points of disconnection, although I'm I'd be I'd be curious to hear what people who strictly have in-person games do about this problem, because I'm sure that this isn't just a virtual issue. But, you know, in a lot of cases, it's like, you know, it's Sunday night or your Tuesday night or whatever the game night is, you're hanging out with your friends um, and you're not really retaining a lot week in, week out. And then you get back to the game and you're like, what were we doing? What was the point of this? And we've tried like having a scribe before. Um, I don't like the scribe because I think it takes the person out of the game in order for them to like pay attention and take notes when I think that the answer is everybody should be paying attention and taking notes. Um, So I'm wondering if there's things like that we can do to help you out in this instance and other GMs when it's their turn. Um, I wonder if it's something I can ask for when it's my turn. I mean, this is the game I'm running is like the D and D game we're playing in is like a sandbox game. And so Mm -hmm. it's fine. We can wander from wacky adventure to wacky adventure. This one is like a sort of a intrigue mm-hmm. mystery. And, you know, like in that one, you really need someone to be a note taker, the mm-hmm. note taker archetype. And we don't have one, even me. So would, so would that help in that situation if somebody took notes? Officially? Yeah, if they, if they knew where, what, you know, like key people they had met and, you know, because I would volunteer for this, except I am the scribe for the other game. Yeah. Well, I was... Here's the thing. Like, this is the thing. I was just like... You met the Free Guild NPC, the Free Guild Captain. Sorry, spoilers here for Cities in the Mist Act 2. Um, you met the Free Guild Captain at the gate last session. Uh, talked to her for a while. Uh, meet her again when you go to start to do the investigation. Uncover that she's the traitor. And everybody's reaction was just like... Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, no, no. Do you guys not remember who this is? Now <laughs> this is like a person you've met. Like, well, I my reaction to it was, should we go over there and grab her? And one of the other player characters was like, let's see how this plays out, because they were talking to somebody else. So that I think you're exactly right. I mean, I like that's that's part of how I felt in this game in this role-playing game therapy session we're having now i kind of felt like it's not it's it's not landing the way it needs to for both sides here and i'm trying to figure out why that is and what we can do to help that along i'm not trying to make this a dish on our group or anyone's group because i love our group and i love how we play but i do not want to go through this with star wars or another campaign setting i had a moment like this when we were doing that screwed up lizard man sci-fi shenanigans game you know and i am remembering that because the conversation happened with a session that i wasn't there yeah and And i was like thinking in this game i'm not playing and i'm like am i the one that drives the plot (laughs) like do you want to do you think that that's true i don't want it to be true do you do you think that it's just you is anybody else driving the plot and if not you were helping out last session but like what can we do 
to drive the plot? Like, what can we do to get people involved in driving the plot? Because I think this kind of seeds into the main topic episode, too. Uh, the main topic for the main episode that I want to do as well. But, like, there is this reluctance. And and I'm I'm going to stop picking on our group in this sense because I've seen this in every group, almost every single group I've ever played in. The only group that this has not been in was when it was you and me and Meredith and Mike, um, that original group where we had formed and then Carrie joined us later and then Hale joined us later and then Rich Ronaldo, co-creator of Velvet Generation, joined us shortly thereafter. But it was that group where it's like, I don't think we ever had a problem pushing the story forward. I think it just happened. But with the exception of that group, Every group I've been in has had this problem where the players are just kind of sitting there looking at each other. And that's how I picture it in my head is like the plot is trying to move forward, but the, the characters in this story are like, Oh, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I've, I've puzzled over the, this as a factor of games and what we can do to solve it. Yeah, my my first inclination is just like, you know, like leaning into the story, like the narrative sense of it is just like, okay, the players don't react. Events proceed at their mm -hmm. pace. But the stakes that we are on right now is if events proceed at their pace, at this pace, like the city is going to be overwhelmed by the jungle and destroyed within a matter of days. Like that's the stakes, the obliteration of this city of thousands of people. And I don't know that those have been communicated to the players. Like, mm -hmm. good job of like saying like the jungle will devour the walls and rip them down, and then everything that's outside the walls can come in. Like this, and you've you seen know, what's outside the walls. You fought a house-sized spider. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. okay, so I have not got. I'm I'm going to purchase this game. I found out about it recently. It's called Index Card RPG. I don't know if you've ever heard of it it's by rune hammer games my my whole thing about role-playing games that are out there is just like the andy sandberg uh, snl skit where it's get in the cage with nicholas cage where he's being nicholas cage and nicholas cage is actually on the show and he has this line about like this is a perfect nicholas cage movie here's why one it exists <laughs> um that's how i am with role-playing games <laughs> like this is a perfect game for me to read and buy why one it exists so yeah i am familiar with index card okay so i'm i'm hearing more and more about it through you know my explorations into other you know gamer content out there to see what's out there and it seems like it drives home this point of like putting timetables on everything to translate or transmit the idea of whatever the urgency of the situation is oh shit i can just use a clock so what yeah it was like what if we did that in the game like what if you said okay look guys here's what is about to happen here are the stakes and you have x amount of time to figure it out yeah and if anvil you guard don't falls <laughs> anvil guard falls right like without knowing like you know um like but you know what if we did that with every you know the the wall i ran into with our group was i was like I had to stop the game and say, hey, guys, this is a weird science fiction game we all signed up to do. So somebody's going to have to go into that strange monolith that came from the stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 this is how the game moves forward. But yeah, I'm wondering but I, if we can be less blunt and just uh, add a clock. I will say moment of honesty for me as a player is my paralysis in situations like I think I cover my paralysis really well by talking in character about it and mm. like, you know, do it, making it a, a, a scene. But my paralysis is deep. You said you learned to play from actors who were older than you. I learned to play with other children my age who were doing a power fantasy and were occasionally vindictive and cruel. Uh, I, I have a very, like, there is an innate caution in me that, like, this is a trap. Everything's deadly. So I'm looking for the optimal gameplay outcome. I just put a fancy hat on it of talking in a funny voice some of the time. Oh, this really is a role-playing game therapy session yes, now. Yes. <laughs> this has been Jaunty Mantis RPG Therapy. Neither Maddie nor I are licensed therapists. There'll be many more of these, for sure.
Um, all right. So how how do we address that for you, the player? I think for me, the player, I need to know the stakes and a timetable and what's expected of me. Um, otherwise, my paralysis is in options, right? Well, if we... Like I'm not looking at what's in front of me for this for what it is. I'm trying to find the deeper meaning and all the angles to it. That's my problem, I think. So yeah. it's like when this character gets named as the traitor, part of me is like, okay, well, I guess we should go over there and do something about it, even instead of being like, well, let's go do something about it. You know what I mean? Like I think with our group, it's like everybody, I if I had to make a call, it's like, everybody's really polite to each other and nobody yeah, wants to so overshadow turn taking that. It just boils up into accidentally talk over because like we, everybody politely waits for their turn until like two people are just like, I got to do something to get it moving at the same time. Mm -hmm. Peril of zoom. But I think it might also happen like at a physical table. So I think that, I think that that is a, is a very powerful positive of our group is nobody wants to step on each other's feet everybody wants to be polite and respectful and make sure everybody else has enough time to do whatever they want to do give them the spotlight if i went to go do something in a certain part and another person's character gets the spotlight i don't try to take it back i just let it happen and i think the rest of our the rest of our group is like that and then the unfortunate kind of negative side effect of that is we don't get moving in the way that we should so we need to solve that in the yep. future but i can't i can't make you a promise or you can't make me a promise because what happened with me is that you were not in that game and things did not get moved forward and that's why i said something to the group i was like jesse's not here <laughs> like <laughs> we have to make this go forward yeah i think i think the the quick fix and what i'm going to do next session when we start right before we start that combat is uh i'm gonna throw a clock up i'm sure there's a clock add-on in foundry um so mm -hmm. i'm gonna just throw a clock up that is anvil guard falls yeah everything i've seen out there is like add an element of time to the situation you know yeah. the the um the people that are missing from this town here's what we think is happening to them and if you don't get there in time to help them this right yep. like the you know so i think we i think i am actually and maybe this is another episode idea but i am toying around with the idea that sandbox is actually bad uh even though that's been my entire style of dming and story creation for role-playing games up to this point has been like oh i need to make it as sandboxy as possible give you infinite op options and i really want to just make a game that's on fucking rails and see what <laughs> see, happens. I would say the opposite. I would say I'm bad at running sandbox. Oh, okay. Explain. That's where I go. Explain. I'm not good at putting the hooks in. I'm okay. not good at tracking all the other things to spark adventure. And I feel like now this, you know, the clock, the thing that's in the games I've been raving about since I first read like Apocalypse World, <laughs> like, like what? And I use them in Blades in the Dark. Why do I just do rules? That, why don't I? Why am I not stealing <laughs> from other mm -hmm. games to do mm -hmm. this? Because a sandbox game with hooks and then clocks on some of those hooks to be like, this is not there forever. Um, mm -hmm. That I feel like would work really well. Yeah, I haven't. Okay, this whole thing I was going to say—it's an entirely another topic that would keep us going, and we're at like an hour and twenty for our banter episodes. Yes, yes. Um, so I'm just going to say it anyway. Uh, this is one of the things I thought. About, like, so I think I've mentioned to you, like, I am going through this weird nostalgia thing where I am obsessed with riffs by Palladium, mm -hmm. right? And I, when I thought about which group would I want to run a Rifts game for? And I was like, this one. Because that game handles the Gonzo. That game is the Gonzo. Like, it's... Well, yeah, it's like, I feel like, oh, we got everybody being silly. There's a character class that's actually in there to, admittedly, from our modern perspective, insensitively handle mental illness. But also, like... <laughs> 
Well, I love, the, I love the description too of the character class because I just read this the other day. I love having this guy who was born in the middle of like another century, like writing mm-hmm. the descriptions of the character class. Like this character class is like a combination of Errol Flynn and Daffy Duck, and I'm like, well, that reference is gonna land. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we should do a whole other banter episode on what this Palladium game idea is, and and how and and why you want to do it, and then we should do it, and then do another banter episode about how it turned out. Right. Yeah. About I why it didn't work. No, I because I I think it'll work. I think it'll work out really well. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the Jaunty Mantis Therapy RPG session. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna end it there. Where can people find more information about us on the internet, Jesse? Uh, we are on Threads now. Uh, we have five followers as of the recording of this episode on Threads. How many of them are friends and family? Uh, none of them, actually. Wow, that's huge. That's more followers I've ever had. I know, right? Um, because I hate social media and it's applied against society. Yes, anyway, yes. go ahead. Yeah, um, we're on Threads at Jaunty Mantis. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on uh, Twitter at Wantimantis because I misspelled it and I'm not going to bother to recreate the account because it's just, I don't know, it's a thing. But uh been talking to some cool people on there. so if That's you... awesome. Yep. And if people have curious questions for us or clever questions or creative questions for us, where should they send them? Do we have an email address? Like the jauntymantis at gmail.com? We will right after this episode's <laughs> recorded. So email us your questions at Jaunty Mantis. And here's what I will say too: if you're going to send us questions, please keep them brief. And if you don't, I'm going to cut them down in order to make them fit. So either you can be the editor of your question in your email, or I can be. That's up to you. <laughs> All right. Well, for Maddie and Jesse. Say goodbye, Jesse. Goodbye, Jesse. All right. <laughs> <laughs>